Hey folks, welcome into On Waveland, the Chicago Cubs podcast here at The Athletic. I am Brett Taylor, joined by Sahadik Sharma and Patrick Mooney of The Athletic. I don't know why I said that so dramatically, um, because it's an athletic podcast, so it isn't that big a deal that you guys are with The Athletic. <laughs> uh, we got t- 10 games left in the season. You know, as a as a general matter, before we get into stuff, it's like... We have made it through 50 games of this 60 game season and the Cubs still, uh, as far as the, um, COVID-19 protocols have gone. And I mean, I don't know. Did you guys see it proceeding this successfully 50 games into the season, as far as the Cubs go and, and really (laughs) most of baseball since the initial Marlins and Cardinals outbreaks. Oh, I mean, I, I can still feel that anxiety I felt the morning of whatever morning it was that I was driving out to Cincinnati for that first road trip. The only road trip they really went to because obviously we just I just wanted to see what if there was any value in going on the road. But uh, that anxiety that morning was that was when the Marlins breakout was happening, I believe. And I was just and there like, was a I, Reds. Yeah. There was a Reds pot like that. trip yes. to Cincinnati. Yeah. So I, I was just like, okay, am I, is the season going to be canceled midway through my drive to Cincinnati? What's happening here? Like that's, that was the feeling that first it did week, feel after that, that way, first yes. weekend, we were thinking about this isn't going well at all. And this is going to end. And I think a lot of us felt that way just going into the season. It's like, okay, let's see what happens, but there's no way they get through the season. And, and they definitely aren't playing a full playoffs. Now I feel like we're a complete 180 as far as, I mean, correct me if I'm wrong, but would be very surprised if it doesn't get finished, right? I mean, the, the the way they've kind of plowed through those first two breakouts, and then not only that, but I think they've made real progress. They've they've figured things out. They've corrected any mistakes that they may have had initially about why breakouts occur. Uh, you know, the testing uh, seems to be working. Is it perfect? Is everything going? You know, it, it, I, I, you know, I don't want to suggest that there's no the the every issue has been corrected, but I feel like they've done a pretty good job since those first two breakouts and, and they've kind of uh, figured out a pattern, seen what kind of issues may arise and, and corrected them to a certain degree. So it, it, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm not, I shouldn't say I'm shocked, but I'm just, uh, I'm pleasantly surprised that we've gotten to this point and it looks like there's a strong chance that we're going to have a world series champion crowned in about a month and a couple weeks. Right. I think shocked would be a good word to describe it. I'm trying to remember back to summer camp and Brett, you'd probably have a better memory than I do, but wasn't it like four or five workouts within like the first two plus weeks were either postponed until later in the day, or they had to hold out multiple players and staffers because of glitches in the testing system. I mean, what was supposed to be the easy part, they still couldn't get, that right. And while I never thought that Rob Manfred and the owners would kind of throw up their hands and say, wow, we're risking the health of our employees. We should really uh, be cautious about this. I never saw that happening, but I did think it was possible that lots of players could just say, you know, this is crazy. Or certain local governments may have stepped in and said, this is out of control. You need to stop. And clearly they have so much momentum now and all, you know, if if Big Ten football has to exist, then I think uh, you know Major League Baseball will finish the World Series. Yeah, I think we'll probably always. I mean, I don't know. You wonder what things will fade in memory and and the the stories that will tell about what the season was. But you know, 
in the wake of the Marlins outbreak, and then certainly as the Cardinals one came later, it felt like if there was one more, that was going to be it. And at best, maybe you could hope for a two-week shutdown in the league, because what we can't forget is that at that time, the and this will transition uh, well into the discussion that we want to have today, I mean, the havoc that it wreaked on schedules for all teams that were connected in any way to a club that was experienced this, I mean, if you had multiple teams shutting down at the same time, it was just going to obliterate the schedule. And again, I don't want to say that that absolutely can't happen here in the final week and a half of the season or in the postseason, but it does feel like some of the lessons that were learned uh, because of the testing issues early, like Mooney mentioned, and because of the outbreaks with the Marlins and Cardinals, it does feel significantly less likely that you would have one of these explosive situations. And indeed, in the interim, not only have we had very few positive tests, but when they have occurred, you know, there's just been this quick reaction like, okay, everybody's separated, shut down, nothing's going to happen for three days. Um, and it feels like there isn't that same urgency to be like, every day like oh maybe we can come back today oh maybe we maybe that was enough we can come back today it's like no 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 we're going to shut everything down for 3 days and um so you know circling that into uh, something i wanted to talk about today is so here's the situation in the NL Central uh the cubs have a five and a half game lead as we enter this weekend uh the cubs are hosting the twins for 3 games that five and a half game lead is over the reds but the Cubs' magic number to clinch the NL Central is actually relative to the Cardinals because they have so many more games remaining. Uh, creates a bit of a weird and um, confusing situation to what we're used to. I mean, of course, that's just natural for this season. But usually by this time of year, it's like, okay, this is the magic number, baby. And we know it and we count it and it's it just it goes. Uh, but this year, so again, the Cubs' magic number for the division is seven right now. That is relative to the Cardinals, who are actually behind the Reds in the division, uh, for whom the magic number for the Cubs would be five. Now, we can... So, when people ask me, because I get this all the time, they're like, what's the Cubs' magic number now? I'm like, well, it's kind of two things at once. Um, If you believe, as I do, that the Cardinals are toast, um, because I think, you know, they've still got, what, three doubleheaders and four if they have to make up that final Tigers doubleheader after the season, which they would have to if they were going to come back. So um, I don't see, and I think they just lost Dakota Hudson. I don't, it is unfathomable to me that the Cardinals can win enough to actually be the team that comes back and makes that magic number matter. So me internally, I'm treating the Cubs magic number as five as relative to the Reds. And therefore I say, because we were having a little pre-chat before we started recording, um, I think the Cubs can essentially clinch this weekend, depending on how things play out with the Twins, how things play out with the Reds. But it's going to be awkward because it's going to be like, they did it, kind of, but not. you can't celebrate it yet. Also, you can't celebrate with booze. That's a new rule this year. Can't celebrate with booze. Uh, but anyway, so I guess that's just apropos of all of this, that the Cardinals breakout from forever ago, it feels like, is still kind of mucking up the way that the rest of the season plays out, at least in terms of norms and expectations. Is that, is that official that they can't uh, celebrate with booze or was that just a recommendation or highly suggested strongly? It was a, it's a, it's a report. uh, But I believe it was, I believe it was the New York post reporting on the basis of an internal memo at MLB. 
Um, so I think it's, I mean, I think it's going to happen, but the thing is, it sort of doesn't matter. And here's why, like, we already knew that the celebrations weren't going to be the same anyway. Yeah. Like the protocols are not going to allow for the same kind of like in the clubhouse going nuts celebrations. So, um, you know, whether it's, I mean, I'm, I'm yeah. just upset that we're, we're deprived of John Lester getting the proper send off from the fans. Now we're also deprived of John Lester drunkenly talking to like cameras for like half an hour, just going off on random <laughs> sides and, and talking about how much he loves random players on his team or whatever. We're, we're missing out on a lot here. This is this. I, I feel like we're, you know, this is, this is not good. I'm a, I'm a little upset about it. I, I would like to see John Lester have a few and, and, and give some thoughts on baseball in its current state. I think that's important for all of us, but yeah, I, I mean, I, I, I get what you're saying, Brett, as far as the two different uh, numbers, I agree the, Part of uh, just looking at that, I think, is a big reason why at the end of this season, it's going to be really hard to say, well, like, this is what happened in 2020 and I'm going to push it forward to 2021 because I don't think it's fair at all to judge the Cardinals on this year. I think the Cardinals are a damn good team, a very talented team, and they're going to be a force to reckon with in the Central. Uh, They just don't, they're just not uh, equipped right now to compete it's completely insane what they've had to go through. I'm not saying it's unfair. It's just the way the the baseball sports world is working right now with breakouts and, and what they had to deal with to, to get back, uh, you know, to get back on the field and have a semblance of a normal season. Uh, But that's, that's part of my takeaway right now is like, I don't know what, what happens in 2020. I don't know who's going to be win the world series. But one thing I do know is I'm not going to take a lot away from this season and, and analyze it for 2021. Uh, the Cardinals are going to be competitive. Yes, well, of course you Central. will, because that's the only data we're going to have for like six yeah. months of analysis. <laughs> but I'm, <laughs> I know what you mean. I yeah. know what you mean. I'm not going to take grand conclude make grand conclusions specifically about the Cardinals. Although maybe I should, maybe I should, because the Marlins look damn good to me. I mean, they look pretty damn good, and they're they're a force. I I would. I, I mean, Patrick and I wrote a piece together this morning kind of talking about the playoffs and the Marlins are one of those teams that I don't know if the Cubs really would want to face them in the first round I mean Sixto Sixto Sanchez does not look like the type of guy that you just want to face for the first time in a real game in a real you know highly competitive playoff game that seems like a pretty terrifying scenario in my opinion for the Cubs like if he comes out there and just shuts them down for six seven innings that that'd be a scary first game to see for the playoffs can and I, I think ju- it's kind of unlock. I'm not sure what the likelihood that they'd face the Marlins is. I think they'd have to lose a few, and the Cubs would have to drop back so, to the middle. But that, you know, what that that raises something that I think is interesting, and I think is appropriate for us to discuss today. Again, in relation to a lot of this conversation about like the Cubs are closing in on clinching the Central. I think it's you know a 99.9 percent situation at this point, and it's probably coming well in advance of the end of the season. And so you're going to have a situation where the Cubs are going to be able to do some resting if they want to be able to coordinate their rotation, obviously to think about what the bullpen's going to look like. They've got a couple lefties hopefully coming back soon. Um, and then also to observe what that initial matchup might be, because it's very likely to be a team that you haven't seen this year at all. I mean, this is very unusual to be heading into a postseason where you might be seeing players and a team for the first time all season. And like, I don't know what you, 
obviously you're going to be your pro scouts are going to be on it but like in terms of the players themselves i don't know how you do prepare for that it's got to be an advantage to have clinched earlier rather than later but like what do you do with that time when the team you're going to face is probably a team that you haven't seen all year well, stop stealing my uh, ideas for content, Brett, oh, because sorry. I was I was going to ask uh, gonna Ross start, about that. Start typing in, in the background right now. <laughs> Sending it to, you know. I just had an original idea, guys. <laughs> That's a. Uh, I mean, the, my Marlins thought kind of sparked that idea. I mean, and they're facing a team late in the season for the first time right now too. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I, I I think I can actually get Ross has been like uh, hesitant to ask questions and answer questions about the playoffs, but it, that that's my loophole to get him to answer the question because the, they're facing the Marlins for the first time too. So I Twins. just want to see how he how he feels about it. It's a it's a good point. I don't know. Like it, you you talk about pro scouting and advanced scouting, uh, that's being done differently this year too. So. Uh, I'm curious uh, how do who, who has the advantage there as far as pitchers versus hitters? How do the hitters uh, like how does the team in general feel about preparing for a team that they just I mean, it, yes, it happens in the World Series often uh, nowadays every every year. Right. But but throughout the playoffs, there's a good chance the Cubs are going to be facing teams that they didn't see at all. And that's just weird. And and it has to be a little uh uncomfortable and a little, you know. I don't know how this will go. Like, who who has the advantage there? And I, I know Cubs fans will definitely say the opposition <laughs> just because uh, I, I feel like Cubs fans just stress out when there's a new pitcher on the mound that has any semblance of talent and the Cubs offense has to go up against them. Probably worth noting that the Cubs laid off roughly six of their pro scouts last month, though technically their contracts run through the end of October. And there was an expectation that those individuals would still contribute uh, the rest of the year. Uh, In terms of Joel Sherman's New York Post report, I believe the MLB's policy was teams could no longer provide those like buckets and buckets and buckets of beer and champagne. And I'd imagine that the Cubs ever resourceful, especially when the media can't go anywhere in Wrigley Field except for the press box, will somehow find a way to have a drunken wet celebration <laughs> that would be my guess and we gotta hope we gotta hope we, yeah <laughs> i'm sure it'll somehow leak out on social media and then final thing in terms of takeaways from this year of course the hot if we're going to definitely blow everything out of proportion <laughs> that happened this year I mean, it's going to be like the second day of the off season brett will be going through this as well of john and lauren be like okay so what do you got between now and pitchers and catchers reporting when there's no gm meetings winter meetings cubs convention oh yeah and the cubs aren't going to sign any like big free agents at all and they probably won't be able to make any big trades because all of their best players had terrible years this year Oh, God, you're giving me hashtag content, terrible editorial anxiety about him. Like now I, you know, look, I want the Cubs to make a deep postseason run just because I do. I swear it is not a totally cynical thing. I just want it as a fan. But when I do look ahead to all that stuff, I'm like, oh, please, God, have another month's worth of games. to have. Content. And the Marlins swept them in two games. Yeah, <laughs> I know it's going to be something like that. Oh, and then those two games will be relitigated for the next two months because it's what we have. Um, yeah, but I mean, you do raise like that's another thing that like a lot, obviously a lot of our conversation today is sort of teeing up stuff that we're going to be experiencing. But 
the offseason is another one where it's like um, we did just get word that the GM meetings aren't going to take place as expected. There'll be owners meetings uh, digitally as they have been throughout this this year, but they're going to need to approve that Met sale at some point. Um, and the winter meetings, I believe, are not. I think they're officially still on. Um, but I don't think anyone has an actual expectation that that will proceed both because of, uh, COVID-19 related, uh, issues, but also because when you've got the massive shrinking of the minor leagues, that's going to happen into next year and the reallocation of resources, well, half of the winter meetings is a big, like, uh, industry event for the minor leagues. And so I I think there's probably going to be less reason to do it for that. Um, but it does make you. It does, you know, this is obviously a very meta conversation for three content creators, but even from a fan perspective, I do think about the fact of like, well, what, what is going to be the sports engagement level for people in the off season? Um, because, uh, you know, heading into this year in a pre COVID world, that was a big, um, it was a big conversation piece for baseball. They were thinking openly about how can we transform some of our events to create a little more engagement, to create a little more attention and a little more attention. Um, and now they're going to have an off season where it's going to be just incredibly challenging again. Um, and I don't know what that's going to look like. Um, It'll look yeah, like a, a lot of Theo Epstein quotes that uh, seem kind of ambiguous, but basically get to the point of like, hey, guys, get ready for nothing to happen except for shrinking of the of baseball operations and, and, the, and you know, any spending of money, basically. <laughs> yeah. And I but I think, too, I mean, transactionally. I think we will, my guess, if I want to tee this up for people, is I think we will actually find it is a a pretty interesting offseason in terms of like the quantity of transactions, because I think we're going to have a huge explosion in free agents this year. Um, And I think that we're going to see that for the most part, they will still aim to find jobs. I just think that they probably won't get as much as they're used to getting. Um, But in terms of how you, turn that attention on baseball without any kind of marquee events with a postseason that's it's going to be weird i mean it's not going to create the same kind of like uh after chatter that i think we would have from a normal postseason and um you know i'm thinking about too that this week the cubs announced and mlb did for all their teams but announced spring training you know you can get your tickets in january and (laughs) I think, again, this is all kind of the same conversation where it's like we have to exist in this world where we're like, okay, things are coming. They're on the schedule and it's like what we talk about, but we all know better than that. Um, And even in the most you know optimistic world where Rob Manfred was participating in a uh, what a town hall at Hofstra this week and talking about a lot of these issues going forward. I found it very interesting that he said you know, the experts that they're working with and they do have the league and teams have a strong incentive to get the best possible information about the vaccine process and what could be disp- deployed. Um, he expressed that their experts are telling them they have confidence that by the time the regular season is starting, there's going to be a vaccine and deployment such that uh, you can have fan attendance. And um, that too ties to what this off season is going to look like, because if it's true, that teams actually believe that, well, that, that has a pretty dramatic impact on your budgeting process. But for the teams that don't think that, well, that's going to have a dramatic impact on their budgeting process. And so I guess 
to try to, um, you know, well, actually, before before I try to tie this back into the more immediate term of what's coming in the next t- 10 days in the postseason for the Cubs, let me throw it to uh, our sponsors for, for a quick word. This is the Athletic Shield Kapadia here to tell you about Liquid IV. Nobody likes to feel dehydrated. Maybe you get a little bit of a headache, dry mouth. You just don't feel like yourself. But believe it or not, dehydration still occurs daily in three out of four people. With Liquid IV, you have the fastest, most efficient way to stay hydrated. Each serving helps you get as much hydration as two to three bottles of water. Maybe you use it after a really intense workout. Maybe you went out socially distanced with friends and had a couple extra beers the night before. That's where Liquid IV comes in. It is healthier than those sugary sports drinks, no artificial flavors or preservatives, and less sugar than an apple. Plus, it contains five essential vitamins, more vitamin C than an orange, and as much potassium as a banana. And Liquid IV is on a mission to change the world. Liquid IV is donating 3.7 million servings in response to COVID-19. Products are being donated to hospitals, first responders, food banks, veterans, and active military. Liquid IV is available nationwide at Costco and Target, or you can get 25% off when you go to liquidiv.com and use code ATHLETIC at checkout. That's 25% off anything you order when you use promo code ATHLETIC at liquidiv.com. Get better hydration today at liquidiv.com, promo code ATHLETIC. Hi, I'm the Athletics Joe Posnanski uh, for Indochino. You know, finding clothes that fit you just right can be incredibly challenging, especially for somebody like me who has uh, a body type I would call um, dumpy. It's tough to find anything that fits right. You know, I'm not really a large. I'm not really an extra large. I'm not really a double extra large. I'm not really anything. So it's obviously, it's fantastic. You go to Indochino, they have you uh, go through this entire fitting process where you give them basically every single bit of information that you have about yourself, uh, you have every measurement you have, uh, who your favorite beetle is, uh, you know, what what uh, you believe about the infield fly rule. And uh, and then you come out and and they're, they're going to send you uh, clothes that are uh, that fit you really better than anything you could possibly get in the store. It's it's fantastic. Uh, with Indochino, you get custom fitted suits, coats, casual wear uh, at surprisingly affordable prices. Customize everything from the fabric and lining to the lapel shape and uh, monogram if you're a monogram kind of person. Uh, if you're getting married, Indochino is a no-brainer for you and your groomsmen. Forget about the off-the-rack suits that don't fit different body types. Indochino gives everyone a tailored fit. Visit one of the Indochino showrooms across North America or book a virtual appointment and shop online at Indochino.com. And right now, you'll get $30 off any purchase of $3.99 or more when you enter the code JOE at check. Look at that, JOE. It's for me. Joe at checkout. That's super easy to remember. You go to Indochino.com and the promo code is Joe. Okay, so circling back to all of this kind of ambiguous, forward-looking conversation about um, spring training backwards to the offseason, backwards to the postseason, which is going to look different, and now backwards to the final 10 days of this season. And that, too, is going to be odd because, um, you know, because the postseason is going to look very, very different than what we're used to, that is going to impact the benefit that you can get out of trying to rest guys and trying to, you know, 
what they've played 50 games it's like it's it's not like you need to rest Javi Baez in terms of like oh that wear and tear he really needs uh, a lot of time off it's less about that and more about what can you do over these 10 days to try to maximize your chances of winning two games in a super short series against a team that you probably haven't seen at all and I don't know that we have the answers to that but I think that that's going to be the interesting conversation over the next week given that the Cubs are going to win the NL Central. They just are. I'll, you can freeze and cold take me in a bit, but uh, they are going <laughs> to win it. Yeah, I, I mean, we just need to, it, it's, I guess, I, I agree with you, Brett. So we can, we, uh, you know, if, if they're going to, if they somehow blow this, they can they can uh, yell at both you and, and me as well. Uh, the Cubs are likely going to be, you know, in the driver's seat and, and trying to figure out how to line up their rotation and things like that. I, I think it does. I mean, it, it, it matters a lot for them, right? If they were bringing this down to the wire, uh, what a mess we'd be talking about. Whoa. You know, if you Darvish and Kyle Hendricks had to go on the final two days, uh, how do you, how do you handle that first series that they, they may be the favored, uh, you know, the higher seed, but if you don't have Darvish and Hendricks kicking off a series, they're not the favored team. Right. That's a that's a kind of a scary situation for the Cubs if, if it has to if it ever comes down to that uh, during this playoff run. Uh, I, I don't know. I, I think it, that's essential to get you and Hendricks lined up first, figure out how it goes forward, too. With no off days, this is going to be really interesting to see how the Cubs have to tackle this. I'm curious to see how Ross handles it where Alex Mills is in 10 days, where John Lester is in 10 days. If you have to make a decision between if there is a game three in that first round, you have to make a decision between Mills and Lester. That's a really hard decision. And I, I mean, you're talking like what, what kind of blowback does uh, David Ross get? If he gives, if he gives Mills that start, Mills gets lit up. I mean, yeah, if you can't do it, unless something crazy happens in the next 10 days, you it's not and it's not just in uh, owing to like Lester's history with the club and the potential blowback if you don't make the decision it's also like Lester's always pitched really well for the Cubs That's, in the yeah. postseason like, he's to. a postseason stud right like if you're going to make a hall of fame case for John Lester it starts and ends with his playoff performance right so how can you I think that's going to be a really interesting decision, whatever decision he makes. And I agree with you, Brett, he likely has to go with Lester there, but that has the potential of blowing up in his face as well. So it's going to be it's going to be fascinating to see how how Ross handles this. I think the pitching staff, how he handles the pitching staff is really going to be to me. That's the most interesting part. But I think the key to the Cubs going anywhere in October are these superstars on offense finally looking like superstars on offense because let's be frank they haven't all season long maybe a stretch for Rizzo but other than that and maybe like that first week for Contreras and even now that he's starting to hit better I don't think he looks like a superstar out there on offense I I don't know where the power is for some of these guys but the it's that core four that we talk about all the time Uh, two of them need to get going Uh, and (laughs) otherwise I don't see this team going too far in October one of my favorite moments in the 2016 season was when Joe Madden in September called it like an extended spring training and just pissed off so many players in the clubhouse. Like you had Arietta and Montero uh, griping and even Zobris diplomatically said, well, it's kind of tough when you mess with guys routines who've been doing it all year, but they were not happy at all. And I think 
kind of taking it full circle four years later, I think there could be a nice benefit here of essentially being that spring training. Maybe they didn't have of with some of these hitters being like, look, you guys are going to get say 25 to 30 at bats in the final week of the season. You know, the guys on the other side will be competing as if it's a major regular season game, but uh, kind of don't worry about the results. I think Rizzo's already planted this seed in telling that kind of core group of struggling hitters, forget about the numbers, make adjustments, you know, have at bats for the, for the good of the team, not your individual numbers. And that, you know, Chris Bryant clearly hasn't gotten into uh, a rhythm here. Javi seems to be kind of picking it back up again. And he's always been a player who historically gets better as the season goes on. You know, he's, he's streaky. He can get hot um, and kind of has a good sense, you know, in game of what he needs to do. And so, yeah, I think on the hitting side, that's where they go. And then, you know, Sahadev, you've written a lot about the bullpen of, and Brett, you as well, of like all of a sudden Jason Adam is kind of an interesting guy. If you have Chafin, Quintana, uh, not Chatwood, but you do have these kind of options coming to where, you know, maybe it's not Lester or Mills. It's kind of how they just kind of go all hands on deck to figure out the the rest of their pitching staff in October. Yeah, so I think that's a good place to leave it because that's that sets up a lot of what we'll be looking to evaluate and deconstruct uh, over the next week. And, um, you know, even if we can't necessarily exactly foresee what the benefits are going to be this year of locking things down early, um, I mean, we can speculate about them, but either way, I think we would all agree it's clinch it sooner rather than later. I mean, it's just, it's not, I've never bought into the thing where it's like, uh, no, you want to feel that energy of competing right down to the end and carried in the postseason. And I mean, we'll always have 2016 as the perfect example that, I mean, they clinched like, almost three weeks before the postseason, and it did not hurt them at all. So uh, that's what we'll be looking for. And in the meantime, we'll be back at you early next week. Uh, hopefully you'll be able to say the Cubs, have, you know, kind of clinched, kind of not, because it's, you know, who doesn't love to live in that ambiguous uh, world? So thank you all so much for listening. That's Sahadev Sharma and Patrick Mooney. Check out their stuff at The Athletic. I'm Brett Taylor. Check out my stuff at Bleacher Nation. We'll be back to you soon with On to Waveland, the Cubs podcast here at The Athletic. Uh, thanks. Take care. Have a great weekend.